0: Many years ago, James Brown did a song, This is a Man's World. Well, that's what Senator Josh Hawley believes, and he is trying to revive what you and I would probably call toxic masculinity dominating everything. Whoa. Stay tuned. I'm Bert Cohen, and with your help, we are keeping democracy alive.
1: He's not breathing. Can you get a pulse? Barely.
0: If one has assumed the world is one way, which has reliably served you and your tribe well to the exclusion of all others for many decades, and then that comfortable dominance appears to be threatened, the logical predictable action is to circle the wagons and start firing out to protect one's position. It's a powerful driver of fear and action. Sometimes it gets ugly. Today, the most dug in, upfront and determined driver of today's right wing culture war, which has effectively replaced actual political issues, is a white hot fear of traditional, some would call it toxic masculinity, losing its former dominance in America. Senator Josh Hawley, right-wing senator from Missouri, has perhaps brilliantly grabbed this issue and is making it his own, and he's running with it. You may remember Hawley was the guy holding a fist of support to show his feelings in favor of the January 6th insurrectionists, Mm -hmm. later seen running from the crowd as they actually threatened the Capitol. And in a speech in November 2021 at the National Conservatism Conference, he said, many men in this country are in crisis and their ranks are swelling. Well, that may be true, but here's here's where Hawley goes blatantly self-serving. He asserts, the deconstruction of America begins with and depends on the deconstruction of American men. Say what? Indeed, Holly appear, appealing to the predictable Trumpist base, has made masculinity a signature issue of his. And he released, recently released a book titled Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. Well, I'm sure he'll make money from that. People are buying it, I guess. In the power centers they control, places like the press, the academy, and politics – They blame masculinity for America's woes. Well, that's what he says. We're going to talk about that today with our guest, William Norris, who is editor at the Washington Monthly Magazine, whose current essay is What Josh Hawley and the Right Get Wrong About Manhood. Thank you so much for being with us today on Keeping Democracy Alive.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's a
0: pleasure to be here. Well, I'm I'm reminded of the chant of the far right men at the Charlottesville, Virginia, Unite the Right rally in 2017, where they said, Jews will not replace us. What Holly is connecting with is this fear of replacement. Truly at the base of much of America is a centuries old unquestioned understanding that white straight men are in charge. The tough guy riding in high in the saddle, John Wayne, Ronald Reagan. Rugged individuals, righteously overpowering a savage world, conquering nature. Then again, for those regular listeners who have heard me go on about the First World War, uh, back then, the men who were pinned down in the trenches, their commanders would regale them, be a real man, go over the top. And we know that meant likely instant death. A real man. Our guest, William Norris, begins his essay talking about one such individual, 21-year-old Air National Guardsman Jack Texera. As you may have heard of him, he reminds us that he, Texera, is the young man who is charged with leaking classified documents. You say, if his alleged crimes are extraordinary, His story seems painfully familiar. What he allegedly did was a hopefully most unusual and grave threat to national security. What about his story is, as you say, painfully familiar?
1: Well, I think the way to look at it is that um, I don't think, as far as leakers go, his sort of profile, his background, the details of his life are that familiar. I think um, he's sort of this... This departure from the tradition of, of you know, the sort of model or the motivations that leakers have had in this country. But I think uh, I wasn't alone in being struck by how his life circumstances and and his behavior, his antisocial behavior, uh, unavoidably really resembles that of some of the sort of uh, more deadly mass shooters in recent years. Um, which isn't to say that his actions were you know, nearly as uh, malevolent as a shooter, but I think his his uh, his profile sort of bears some resemblance. He he really sort of exhibited antisocial behavior. He was living at home, spending seemingly all of his time outside of work on message boards that trafficked in really hateful language. Um, this sort of private message board on on the platform Discord is where he sort of presided over this group that would share anti-Semitic and racist and anti-Ukraine posts and sort of um, revel in in um, violence and in weaponry and obsess over mm. guns. He also there there were some concerning details about his background, like that he was once um, for for some. Apparent threats he made at his high school had been blocked by the state of Massachusetts, um, where he lives, um, from uh, getting a, a gun license. Um, and I think you know that sort of profile of of a young man who engages very minimally in domestic or social life, who has a very dark worldview, mm. who um, sort of celebrates violence. Um, is not limited to him or to shooters, but I think it has actually become in a disturbing way somewhat more mainstream, not totally mainstream, but I think there are a huge number of young men out there who are uh, aware of this worldview and maybe uh, to some extent partake in it. Um, I think it used to be maybe a decade ago, a little bit more than that, Obscure some of these ideas. Um, increasingly, I think research is showing that that's not true. So I think that's why I sort of hold him up at the beginning of this essay as sort of a not not a sort of isolated individual, but representative maybe of a trend.
0: Oh, uh, hmm, boy! Is that ever disturbing? Is is as you say symbolic of a generation? of lost men and the, the, uh, the image of the, you know, the, the white settler, the, the man going out into the, you know, into the unknown, into the frontier. Well, it's a frontier for Western Europeans, but not a frontier for the people who live there, but, mm-hmm. and, and relying on, on violence and, and legitimizing and celebrating Violence, Boy, you're, I think you're right. That's something we haven't seen in quite some time. But, boy, it's just really rearing its head these days. And somehow uh, Senator Josh Hawley is uh, tapping into that. I mean, there is some real willpower real there. It, and l- l- let's look at, you know, why so many men get into this position and how I mean it is bizarre and frankly to me deeply disturbing that that so many men their reaction to the changes that are going on let's face it they are happening their reaction is you know to be loners and to 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 look to violence and to you know guns as as just such something that's you know, the Second Amendment, the way they interpret it, anyway, is so much more important than the First Amendment. I kind of disagree. Uh, I like the First Amendment. But, but w- what's happening? You, you note that men and boys are, in fact, falling behind women and girls by multiple measures. And, mm-hmm. and that freaks them out. What, what are some of those multiple measures that, where they're falling behind women and girls?
1: Yeah, so I think the only way to understand what's happening to young men on the internet, this sort of turn in their behavior, the embrace of this really malignant, angry, dark worldview, can only really be understood in the context of sort of um, macroeconomic changes and changes in sort of the life outcomes of young men in in this country. And that's something that I think sort of mainstream culture generally, and the left in particular have really struggled to identify and talk about and propose solutions for. And young men, I think other than those of us who are sort of, you know, reading about this, a lot of people will be surprised to hear that young men are at at elementary and middle, high school and higher ed falling behind women and are largely struggling more than they did decades ago um so by both measures com- by comparison to them and comparison to sort of decades past you know are, are are dropping out of college at higher rates are sort of you know um struggling to sort of attain the same stature um, That's also true of the professional workforce. There's a huge number of working age young men who maybe because of a layoff or because of not being able to finish school are just out of the workforce and not looking for work. And that is sort of this demographic group that I think is really susceptible to some of the ideas that like malignant actors on the internet and also the right wing which is something we'll get we'll get to in the mainstream right wing um have been able to some of the ideas that they, they are pushing about how the left is to blame for young men's struggles how mm. feminism has sort of tried to make them obsolete um and you know some of the other some of the other measures of this to look at young men are single um, and living at home and buying houses at much lower rates than they used to and at lower rates than women. Um, There's much higher rates of suicide and drug abuse and addiction to video games and pornography. And those sound like moralizing criticisms and they come from the right. You know, there's nothing maybe, maybe there's nothing intrinsically wrong with those kind of vices. But it comes at a serious cost to young men and serious cost to the country because a lot of them are really embracing a, a, a dangerous world deal.
0: Oh, they are, and it's it's hard to, it, to accept that. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I know that uh, I was kind of shocked during the uh, 2020 campaign when I kept running into uh, Trumpist young men who were – Also, I mean, not only did they believe the uh, ridiculousness about uh, uh, child abuse, that that the uh, Mm -hmm. the Democrats were all pedophiles, uh, but that they were incels as well. That's such an interesting and frankly shocking concept to me. Uh, and, right. and there, there may be some people listening who are not familiar with the term incel, but I think that's it's, it's indicative of something really significant. Your thoughts on that?
1: I totally agree. Um, so an incel is uh, a usually young but a man who um, identifies as involuntarily celibate, which is right. originally like an academic term that's been sort of repurposed by A a sort of this in-group that mostly exists online of of men who sort of feel like they like cultural changes have negated their ability to find a partner Um, and they have sort of adopted um, a framework for understanding that that really uh, castigates women for sort of like Insisting on this new world where, like, men have, have fewer opportunities, and um, I, they, I think for a long time, this community in cells, but also other elements of sort of uh, the online men's rights movement that's mm. like, existed for a long time, they weren't always really like explicitly um, political in the traditional like electoral sense. Um, And I think that, you know, maybe other, there are certainly examples in history of conservative politicians of various kinds playing on um, appeals to like tradition, you know, the, the sort of desire that exists among a lot of men for a traditional domestic and also maybe racial social hierarchy. Yeah. Um, That exists, obviously, in in multiple permutations existed for a long time. But I think what's new here, really can only be understood in the context of Donald Trump. um, Because he really presented in in 2015 2016, really presented an embodiment of sort of this like refutation of you know, like feminist ideals that incels and other men's rights exponents um, felt really sort of were stifling. Um, And he kind of is an avatar for their cause. And I think since then, conservatives, uh, sort of the right-wing fringe of the Republican Party, you know, we'll we'll get to Josh Hawley and some of these other actors, really um, recognized that the the sort of embrace of this like machismo, this sort of um, you know this this um, these sort of like often sort of attacks on feminism on women have had real political potential.
0: Yeah, they clearly do. I, but I'll, I'll tell you, talk about machismo. One, uh, I, I've been around on this planet for quite a while, and as as people are tired of. Me hearing me say uh, it's not the truth that macho, machismo usually gets you into trouble. What is true is that machismo always gets you into trouble. (laughs) Always, every time. And yet there are so many people of the male variety who are really freaked out about losing that. And, And you're right. I mean, certainly Donald Trump has just gotten that with his, you know, comments about grabbing women by their private parts and that like, yeah, he's one of us. He could, you know, we all can be tough men like him. It's politically useful. And let's face it, mm-hmm. that's what they're, that's what they're about. For those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here, the show is keeping democracy alive. Today, our guest is William Norris, editor at the Washington Monthly Magazine. And he's, we're talking about his uh, current essay's which was titled, What Josh Hawley and the Right Get Wrong About Manhood? Josh Hawley has a new book, Manhood, The Masculine Virtues America Needs. I seriously doubt he even understands the concept of virtue, uh, at least as far as I get it. And, you know, there is this near panic, and we've seen... The manifestations of it. It's something kind of new. The, the the For example, I mean, the most obvious is the manufactured uproar about drag shows. I mean, my goodness, mm-hmm. men dressing up in women's, that's been around forever. Absolutely. And it's never been, I mean, Bob Hope, all those guys have have, have done that. It's just, uh, you know, and Milton Berle, poof. He was a strange character. But anyway, uh, you know, as I said before, in 2020, the Trump campaign's obsession and insistence that all Democrats are pedophiles, or if -hmm. they weren't pedophiles, they're defending them, the mass shooting in gay and LGBTQ clubs in Orlando, and Colorado Springs, people die there. I mean, fear ramps up consistently to turn into hate, and deadly violence. We've seen that so often, and it is based on fear. You importantly point out that quote, the reception on the left to Hawley's masculinity crusade has been predictable. Jeers, sneers, but little appreciation for a real social problem. Say more about that, please.
1: Yeah, I think um, if well, I you know the the left has really um, struggled to sort of meet the Hollies of the world in this conversation, and you know I think that Holly is is a sort of like funny um, you know proponent of this idea, of course, because he like is such a contemptible figure for a lot of other reasons. Yes, he is the. the the vision of masculinity that he puts forward in his new book and that he's pushed for a long time since the, the speech that sort of like first um, established him as kind of like the, the guy on this issue, mm. which was in 2021, this like version of masculinity that he's arguing for, this appeal that he gives to young men that blames the left for all of their problems and blames feminism, blames these cultural changes, um, is totally off for obvious reasons, um, and we can get into that a little bit more. But, um, you know, I think what's sometimes missed on the left is that the if if his sort of prognosis of this, if his sort of explanation for why men are struggling is off, which it is just the I, identifying that they, that men, young men are struggling is legitimate and important. And the left has not sort of found a counter narrative for his vision of masculinity, his appeals to young men. In fact, I think the left often sort of plays into the hands of kind of malign actors like, like him and, some of the other figures we can talk about, um, by sort of, I think, you know, pushing the idea that masculinity is sort of intrinsically harmful, um, and that Uh not really giving a context, not really providing a template or a model for young men to sort of put themselves in. Um, and so we're, we're not, really meaningfully and I say we because I identify with the left giving um, help fighting that alienation problem because we're not providing an alternative Um, and I think that might raise some eyebrows and I'm sympathetic to that because um, you know like men you know in all in, in very important ways women have really meaningful disadvantages and misogyny and sexism are hugely impactful forces in society. Yes. And, but, but I think we do need to, there needs to be, we need to have this sort of like big 10 idea of, you know, uh, empathy for people and understanding problems can have nuance and isn't this zero sum game.
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost as if, the idea of, of being pro-feminist and, and trying to to do something about the difficulty that women have had for so long in being, uh, you know, equal. I mean, just legally in so many ways, uh, being equal, that it seems like the Democratic, as you say, by failing to articulate a commitment to helping young men, the left has let Republicans fill the vacuum. And mm-hmm. there there is a fear that talking about the fact that men are struggling with their place in the modern world, that if Democrats talk about that, oh, that might undermine Democratic focus on their work on behalf of girls and women. And so they're not doing it. I mean, there's, you know, you just look demographically at the numbers. Suburban women seems to be what the Democratic Party is focusing on. And I guess that's where the numbers are. But, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it's it's not an easy issue to address. But if we let the Republicans do it, uh, it's it's... Really uh, dangerous because I mean, let's face it: men hold up half the sky. Imagine, you know what a what a shift that is from what 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 has been said for so long about women, and the belief that Holly's book embraces is that America's liberal elites are out to punish them, and he says Mm -hmm. no menace to this nation. And no, I have not bought the book. I don't plan to. No menace to this nation is greater no menace to this nation is greater than the collapse of american manhood that is an amazing statement the collapse of american nation of american manhood that that i mean to even say that there's a collapse of american manhood wow that's that's amazing he says he further goes on to say, to be frank, some welcome that collapse, namely those in the American left. In fact, they have helped drive it. In the power centers they control, the left controls. I don't think the left controls much of anything, quite frankly. Places like the press, the academy, politics, they blame masculinity for America's woes. And they believe, as you know, the liberal regime controls Western politics, culture, and media. Uh, the They hear it forbids them from expressing their natural manhood. And that belief has a lot of appeal. And there's this—I was rather disappointed in the state of Ohio, which elected uh, J.D. Vance. Uh, He said some amazing things. As you note in your article in the Washington Monthly, that uh, that, uh, J.D. Vance, Senator J.D. Vance, defended Kenosha shooter— Kyle Rittenhouse, that young kid who went and just shot up people as he's walking the street uh, during a, a, a Black Lives Matter protest, quote, and this is from J.D. Vance, he defended his community when no one else would. Now that just <clears throat> sounds like what we've been talking about. Uh, that uh, you know, what, what about that and, and the fact that J.D. Vance... I mean, a U.S. senator saying defending Kyle Rittenhouse and how dangerous is that? Do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think that when we sort of look at the, the the new rights, like the sort of post-Trump rights social program, mm. I think we we lavish a lot of attention on on sort of their appeals to white identity nationalism and this sort of like economic pos- populism, the, the sort of isola- isolationist streak you're seeing. I think what's really important for understanding this transformation on the right, this sort of like new ideological direction and this new brand is, uh, is this appeal to um, sort of Social tradition, I guess I would put it—the um, sort of traditional hierarchies of mm. of um, not only race but but domestic life—and this sort of, I think, I think what sort of undergirds that idea about Rittenhouse house that that sort of uh, the, the tweet um, is like this sort of notion of like the intrepid frontiersman who defends Mm -hmm. his castle, right? Which is sort of always animated the right and the conservative movement, but I think you're seeing it sort of pushed much more explicitly and in a context where someone is talking about, in the context of defending someone who actually killed, you know, two people exercising their right to, to, yeah. gathering in public and free speech
0: um well, you're talking so about I threats think, to freedom that's i mean you, uh, go ahead sorry
1: no no that's really it you know and I, I think um so i think even though gender maybe isn't explicit in that statement he made about rittenhouse it's still apparent
0: yeah it does it does seem to be a a, a pattern that uh You know, you can just take it's moving your castle uh, into out into the streets and uh, just defending the the old order uh, and having having to do that. It's it's more than a little bizarre. And, you know, gay bashing is is nothing new. There was this wonderful comedian. uh, uh, I can't think of his name right now, um, who who said uh, he was like pretending to be. A, uh, a gay basher and says, "I hate you, I hate you. you know, he's punching this gay guy. Uh, and he, I hate you, I hate you because you're queer and because you're a, a fag and because and because I'm sort of attracted to you and I don't know what to do about it. And <laughs> I, I wonder, you know, I, who que- what is this about questioning their own masculinity? Uh, do they worry that there may be a gay part of them, these, these gay bashers? That they must crush. Why are they so worried and so insecure about their own masculinity? And we know that insecurity often comes out uh, in really ugly ways. Mm-hmm. What, what do you What are your thoughts about that? I mean, you're not a psychologist, but uh, w- yeah. W- what about their their own insecurity about their own masculinity?
1: You know, I don't think you hear the like discussion of masculinity from people on the right who wear it more naturally, you know, I think like uh-huh. Ronald Reagan maybe is more is, is, is as sort of the, um, you know, kind of almost spiritual Godfather in some sense of some dimensions of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is maybe, maybe a more natural fit for someone who is like uh, an exemplar of like masculinity, like traditional manhood. And I think like, some of the figures who want to position to position themselves that way make masculinity an important part of their political brand are really like pretty academic kind of nerdy types um, yeah. who where it's like I think for anyone frankly anyone outside of like mm. the most antisocial elements of sort of like the online online men's movement Mm -hmm. are really transparently bad at sort of like wearing this like like macho attitude you know at sort of embodying it like i think holly is really like flimsy same with someone like desantis trump i think maybe is i think he's just in general a less calculating
0: mm-hmm.
1: figure, and I think he his his sort of like version of that kind of like bravura like macho mm-hmm. quality is 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 maybe you know more natural to him in a sense. Um, but you know, I think like and then and then that's also true of, um, you know, like Ben Shapiro, the, another like online figure, is like such a poor um, you know such a such a like in, inadequate um, sort of uh, like uh, he, he really doesn't wear that very naturally
0: <laughs> yeah and uh, there's this uh, my sense is that there's a real concern a real worry an insecurity about not looking like that because boy if you don't look tough if you don't look you know as an individual you know out there a cowboy oh then people may doubt your masculinity i, right. I, I that concerns me i must say you know it's, it's like wh- why does that have to be proven and why, I don't i don't understand <clears throat> the insecurity around a sense of of being a man, and again, yeah. go ahead.
1: No, I, well, I should have also mentioned. I think a really good example of this is Blake Masters, who I mentioned in the piece, who lost his race for Senate in Arizona. But if you watch some of his campaign videos, where he's like shooting a gun and sort of like oh, right. standing, like overlooking a, a you know a desert vista in Arizona, and sort of like talking about his family. He's such an—he's such a familiar type uh-huh. for anyone who, like, went to liberal arts school or has worked in tech or anything like that. He's just, like, really putting something on that isn't true to him. <laughs> and uh. he lost, but I think he really was appealing to this kind of, like, men's rights demographic that we're talking about. Uh, he probably has some kind of horrible political future. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but he he's another real example. I think, in the same vein as Holly as someone who's who is putting on this sort of appearance,
0: yeah, interesting because because you can look at these these some of these men who are putting it on. Uh, I can imagine that they may have been sensitive to any appearance of not looking tough, of not being the John Wayne or the Ronald Reagan. And, mm-hmm. boy, that's some powerful, powerful uh, uh, fears, I, I must say. And for those who may have just tuned in, Bert Cohen here. The show is Keeping Democracy Alive. Our guest today is uh, William Norris, editor at Washington Monthly Magazine, which I recommend, uh, whose current essay is What Josh Hawley and the Right Get Wrong about manhood. And you're reminding me of a wonderful Unitarian minister I used to know who told me back when I was uh, still in electoral politics. He said, uh, Bert, there's only two things that motivate politics, fear and reassurance. And I think that's Mm -hmm. exactly what we're talking about here. These guys are trying to reassure themselves that they have some masculinity and Having a lot of, I mean, being, I I think, a feminist myself and having feminist friends, we've heard the phrase toxic masculinity. And it strikes me that this is what what a lot of people call toxic masculinity is exactly what U.S. Senator Josh Hawley from Missouri is talking about reasserting. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, I I think, like, there's a, it's an important point to distinguish you know mm-hmm. the right has been really successful at positioning itself as the party of men of masculinity
0: mm. um
1: and in you know i think we both read this this david french piece yes. in the new york times yes um and he sort of he his he criticizes the right um but he doesn't criticize them for for um upholding traditional masculinity what he what he does is criticize them for hypocritically not not embodying it while upholding it. Um, That to me is like, you know, pretty a pretty easy argument to make Um, pretty apparent that that the sort of like hysteria that you see from the right, especially this sort of like far right faction is not exactly um of a piece with the stoicism that you might associate with like mm-hmm. traditional masculinity. But what he I think he misses is that sure they're pushing of this form, this like traditional vision of masculinity, but there's no examination in his piece of the harms of that vision for men, for women, for trans people. And that is what's really maybe most important here. The the you know, when, when they're real, they're not just political downsides for Democrats' electoral chances by letting men sort of disillusioned young men get totally absorbed by the conservative movement. They're real human costs. You're, what you're seeing is this, like, you know, in the sort of like reassertion of masculinity, male authority, that plays into on the, you know, what we're seeing on the right, where politicians right-wing politicians are attacking um reproductive rights they're yes. attacking trans people drag performers these things are are related and i think we've the left has sort of in conceding um this point and not sort of developing uh, or articulate um an inclusive sort of language around masculinity we have not we've been sort of played some role in enabling this and in, in enabling this new era of sort of this reassert, reassertion of yes. tra- traditional social order. And it's really dangerous.
0: It is. And it's been, there, I, I don't think, you know, I'm certainly on the left and I know, you know, most people I know are on the left, but if you ask them, it, it, there's just, it, there's this vacuum that the left doesn't know what, to do with it it's like we're afraid to you know uh, to not be feminist but you can be both feminist and, you know it's there's equality there's decency and what i we, you mentioned david french's opinion piece in the new york times i was i was surprised i i, he, I think he really misses the mark he, he mm-hmm. I, I don't think he gets what most people or what 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 Holly is is speaking to, what he's appealing to, uh, somehow French says right. he defines masculinity as calmness, and courage, and having a level head. I don't. Be, I mean, have patience, gain perspective. Is that what right. people think of when they think of traditional masculinity? I don't think so. I mean, I I do think. As he says that he's right on that American men are in desperate need of virtuous purpose. Well, Holly sure as heck ain't doing that. I don't know. I don't know who is. I mean, the left. I don't know. It's it's difficult for us to to say something, uh, to to define, to to speak to this. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, I think like. I mean, what can I? Well, right. I, I think I think Holly's appeal to masculinity is something much more yeah. dangerous and much more muscular than Musc- just this sort of, you know, like st- the stoicism that, that um that French is talking about. Um and Holly's not pushing that, he's not embodying it. What he's pushing and embodying is something that scapegoats uh, vulnerable groups. Um and that has its own political appeal of course, um, and is a really effective tactic and something the right, uh, an instinct uh, sort of a psychological political tool that the right exploits all the time. He is associating himself, he's, a, he's, he's articulating this appeal to men, but his um, solutions are sort of a winding back of the clock of feminism. That's not a good solution for anyone least of all men certainly not women certainly not trans people Um, undoing sort of the rights revolution is is for you know it goes without saying that that solves nothing and is horrifying to imagine um but he doesn't he is that he really wants to position himself as like a populist but he's not there's no discussion of the very real material conditions that negatively impact men and the changes that we've seen in recent decades um, that disproportionately impact men, but impact everyone negatively. um, You know, I think there's been a huge amount of dislocation of men in the post-industrial economy. Um, and, And both parties have played some role in public policy that created the modern economy that's much more tilted towards service in the professions and intellectual work. That's as well documented that that has disproportionately hurt men. We have not found a way to adjust to meet them. Yes. Uh, they're, they're, and there are ways to do that. And, and you know, Richard Reeves at the Brookings Institute, some other scholars have identified some of these ways, like investing in a huge amount more vocational education,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, and, and there's, and, and encouraging meeting men where they are and helping them succeed in the professions in service, um, in other growth areas like healthcare, you know, I think there there's social stigmas around male nurses and other, you know, jobs within the health world. Um, so that sort of cultural dimension and also job training programs can really help with some of this, and of course, another piece is education. Um, you know, there are important ways in which school is structured to work better for women, um, or for girls mm.
0: rather.
1: I think I think the biggest difference is or, or the most meaningful changes that might be achievable are really more not some maybe not as much in higher ed, or I'm less familiar with what those might be and more in elementary and high school, um, you know, much more, what would help boys would be some of the things scholars point to are things like more hands-on learning, more breaks, more time for recess and physical activity of various kinds. Also encouraging, finding ways to encourage there to be more male teachers. Um, all of the, all of these things would really benefit men, um, and sort of amount to you know and and men suffer because of just maybe there's disproportionate suffering among men but they really suffer the same for the same reason that everyone does that women do um mm. when you know public policy uh you know austerity politics mm-hmm. um drives inequality and poverty and a lack of opportunity um mm-hmm. and a huge cost to higher ed and you know, the opioid crisis, they're just huge macro social uh, problems that have always existed or have emerged that come at everyone's detriment, but really have come at the detriment of men. Yeah, I, I just think the left really has an opportunity to mount a response to that because this is the party that, at its best, I think, and you've seen this to an extent in the Biden era, is willing to sort of um, pursue ambitious spending programs and um, real a real domestic policy program that actually helps people, and that's not something the Hollies of the world are doing.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. They they may talk about it, but uh, I mean the the reality is far far different. And you know, I'm thinking back to my favorite president so far, Franklin Roosevelt created a lot of jobs really some very i mean men were definitely benefited then the jobs that were created some some tough jobs mm-hmm. build, building you know infrastructure stuff like that in fact as you point out the democrats it's the infrastructure bill that's from the democrats and that was a huge yeah. job creator for working class men Uh, But no one in the—do you hear anybody in the administration talking about that? I mean, as you say, the left has a compelling story to tell if they choose to tell it. Uh, But uh, we're just not doing it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, men had uh, manufacturing jobs. Back when I was in junior high school, girls had— Home ec, they called it home home economics. Men had industrial arts. Well, there's no point in teaching industrial arts because those jobs aren't there anymore. But mm-hmm. there's opportunities here. Every problem is an opportunity. Somehow, we should know that. And 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 I, I wonder. You know, there were the days of men being the single breadwinner for a family. Mm-hmm. They, they, it, it it did happen. Uh, and we had a a robust robust middle class. And now uh, there's there's virtually no middle class, and I wonder about other countries are talking about, for example, four day work week, where mm-hmm. everybody, not just men, people can do other things with their lives and perhaps find, dare I say, some more happiness. E- and and there's the push for everyone to go to college. Um and a lot of men don't do that and perhaps you know they may go to college and they're still not getting good jobs and they beat up on themselves. they feel really mm-hmm. awful about that. What about uh, there's an old-fashioned idea apprenticeships uh, mm-hmm. and maybe you know instead of looking like a tough guy, I happen to think that, Men who allow themselves to actually cry. Whoa! Can you imagine Josh Hawley uh, reacting to that? Your, your thoughts on such ideas.
1: I really, I, t- I totally agree. I think men, I think this is well documented. It's not just speculative. Men need a sense of purpose. That's not just true of men. That's true of everyone. But
0: I think yes.
1: to, 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 to rob them of that and to sort of remove Maybe the dominant way that that a sense of purpose was found in the 20th century for men, which is working, um, you know, industrial jobs Um, to remove that has unpredictable and really serious consequences. I think we're seeing that Um, and that you know, replicating. What existed then might not be totally achievable by
0: right.
1: industrial policy, but but an approximation of it is. And I think like uh, we are seeing the sort of political impetus from the left. Maybe it's just like something from the right too, although I think Germany seem whether that has real uh, force behind it. But I think what we're seeing from the left is an interest in a new era of industrial policy. That brings a lot more jobs home, um, and also there are ways to sort of ease men into the modern economy. We're not going to go back to being the you know breadbasket, the, the manufacturing hub of the entire right. world the way the way we were post war or something like that. But vocational education, apprenticeship programs, which is something nobody talks about, but it's, as you identified, so so important these things can really make a difference. And I think what will basically help men is both embracing the language of helping men, but also just a sort of activist domestic social program in general, Um, reminiscent maybe, or or sort of drawing on inspiration from the New Deal era. Um, Because we've seen a a huge hollowing out of the middle class of, of, of working adults um in the era of austerity and neoliberal yeah. domestic policy um and th- i think there is now energy in even the mainstream democratic party to do something about that
0: in case you just tuned in dear listener bert cohen here the show is keeping democracy alive we're talking about uh, men and uh, our guest today is uh, William Morris, uh, Norris, who is editor at Washington Monthly Magazine. Uh, he's got an essay, What Josh Hawley and the Right Get Wrong About Manhood. This is an important issue, and the Republicans are, are running away with it. Democrats are, are kind of blowing it. And as, as we know, image is so much more powerful than reality, so often. Mm-hmm. The reality is, I mean, the the, the policies that Josh Hawley and the far right support, the trickle down, you know, celebrating men who have made billions of dollars, that uh, they they lament the plight of working class men publicly. But he voted, as you point out, he voted against bills that could help working class men and make a real difference. Tell us about that. What is the reality there?
1: Like there, there actually have been bills that in recent years that disproportionately help men or, you know, sort of help the cause of, of empowering the working class and the middle class more generally, which is something we have been talking about. And those two, two that identify in this piece are the bipartisan infrastructure law mm-hmm. um, the, and the majority of jobs created by that, which is a huge number, uh, are going to men. And then another piece of legislation that I identified is under the American rescue plan, which is the yeah. uh, COVID stimulus bill. Um, there's an expansion. There's an opt in expansion for States, um, to extend Medicaid. Um, and that, um, you know, as, as Richard Reeves, who I've mentioned before, mm-hmm. and I mentioned the piece who have drawn a lot of you know a lot of his a lot of the ideas here from um this is something he's talked about too where that um that expansion of health health coverage especially helps men who have higher rates Ah. of suicide Mm -hmm. and deaths of despair generally which is a term used to also include uh you know deaths from substance abuse and despair um that that, um so so arpa was another bill that um you know that or at least that dimension of it especially helps men basically republicans were including holly were mostly opposed to those pieces of legislation Mm -hmm. i think that also just sort of speaks to i think just the the heart of what right-wing populism is which is that people are they they are shrewd in identifying that people are hurting, and that there is a huge amount of social and economic dislocation that people are suffering from. But the solutions they offer are not real material solutions that would actually make a difference. Instead, they're sca- they're they're using the politics of scapegoating. Um, this is, of course, how the right wing operates in general. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing it here again playing out uh, in terms of gender.
0: Mm. And I can't help but think that, you know, wake up, Democrats, wake up. There's so many opportunities that we miss over and over and over again. And, you know, because we're strongly pro-choice, uh, and you know ending discrimination against uh, people of color uh people of uh, a different uh, sexual orientation that somehow you know we, we that doesn't threaten men, it doesn't threaten straight men. it threatens their mm-hmm. it may threaten their their old dominance uh, but there's a there's something there's some hope I think and 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 we, we Democrats. And we on the left have to speak to that, and yet we seem to be afraid of our own shadow. Oftentimes, and, and I, I, can you give us uh, some degree of hope that uh, you know this demagoguery, this far right, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, scapegoating of Josh Hawley and others is not the only way? I mean, it's it's uh, that somehow the left would be foolish and it's unnecessary to forget about men, you know, forget about Mm -hmm. straight white men. We can connect with them. We can connect with working people in general. And do you have, can you give us some degree of optimism, some degree of hope, please? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I
1: I think there is plenty of hope and plenty of reason for optimism because one thing I've seen, even just in the response to this essay that I wrote, is mostly just that, well-meaning people on the left just weren't really aware of this problem uh-huh. of, of men experience, like, you know, falling behind women and falling uh-huh. behind where they were in the past in in a lot, by a lot, all these, you know, like academic and economic and professional measures. And also what the sort of political costs of that, what the sort of pipeline to the right has looked like. Um, so I think part of it is that people... You know, first started using the concept of to- toxic masculinity, or sort of talking about the maybe the the ways that uh, masculinity has um, harmed men and, and and harmed society with good intentions. I think. I think generally, you know, like I think that those ideas were really given a boost by the era the era of Me Too and the sort of reckoning. Uh-huh. Uh, sexual violence in society that that the sort of like political instinct on the left to sort of talk about the ways in which men as a class exert power in a negative way and harm others has been actually really important but i don't i think there is what's missed there is that uh young men really are struggling and that they really are being drawn in by ex- extremist views yes. and that's been really dangerous i think that like people who are, i think is part the reason for hope to go back to your question is that most people just aren't aware of this problem basically
0: mm-hmm. and i don't
1: think there's as much opposite i don't think there's principled that much principled opposition to to the sort of political framework that i'm talking about And that richard reeves and others are talking about as you might think i think it's mostly just people don't know about this so what democrats have an opportunity to do is talk about how no i don't think if you heard biden recite some statistics about how young men are hurting and express sympathy for their Mm -hmm. uh, alienation i think there would be maybe there's some small fragment of the sort of twitter world who would raise a lot of opposition to that but if it was done with nuance mm-hmm. and with empathy and and in the con in sort of presented in this way where we want to support everyone and we want to bring everyone into the cause of the liberal movement and empower them and provide jobs and provide you know The scaffolding for a meaningful life. Mm. I really, I really think that politics would not be controversial.
0: There is a lot of reason for hope. Just raising the issue. Sometimes it's tough to be ahead of one's time, but uh, the the issue is being raised. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today and for for raising this very important issue that Democrats are missing quite a bit. Uh, Our guest has been William Norris, editor of the Washington Monthly, and he's uh, written an essay titled What Josh Hawley and the Right Get Wrong About Manhood. There's opportunity here. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been great to talk to you. What's a man now? What's a man mean? Is he rough or is he rugged? Is he cultural and clean? Now it's all changed. It's got to change more. Because we think it's getting better, but nobody's really sure.
0: If you enjoyed that discussion, don't miss a single show. Subscribe, it's all free. And if you find the information valuable, your friends probably do too. Please ask them to also subscribe. It's on Apple, Spotify, Progressive Radio Network, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and of course the website, keepingdemocracyalive.com. Thanks very much.